Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastor from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. If you have your Bibles with you, I'll ask you to go ahead and open them up to 2 Peter chapter 3. We are in the second Sunday of Advent, and for those of you that don't know what that is, aren't familiar, is the, as we head toward Christmas Day, there are four Sundays uh, that prior to Christmas where we celebrate waiting. Um, most of us aren't really good at waiting. You know, we pray, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now, right? Uh, we want things right away. I remember a number of years ago hearing um, a sociologist say that we are this is probably about 20 years ago, we were the people that began to pace in front of the microwave. Um, microwaves got things done so ready, but we still pace. We want things really, really fast. And during Advent, we stop and realize that sometimes we have to wait. We have to wait, we have to listen, we have to let God do things in his time. The children of Israel waited a couple thousand years for the Messiah to come, and he came on Christmas. Now we wait for Christ's return. And sometimes it's been a long time as we wait. Uh, can I get a witness? How many of y'all uh, have already put up your Christmas tree? We've asked you this the last few weeks. There we go, more and more hands keep going up. How many of you have already put presents under your Christmas tree? Look around, those are the people who don't have kids. Um, <laughs> you don't, how many of you, when you were kids, you would, you would crinkle back the edge of the paper and try and see what your gifts were. All right, there we go. Honest people here today. Good to see you. The rest of you all, the altars will be open later. You can come and pray. Because we did that, right? My, my, mom, my mom likes to give my kids 12 days of Christmas that they start on about the 13th of December and they have a little present that they open every day. It's just, it's goofy little things. It might be a pack of gum. It might be a pair of socks. It might be um, something like that. So while we were down there at Thanksgiving, um, it, was, it was a very pivotal year uh, because my mom announced to Brooke and Connor that they will no longer receive the 12 days of Christmas because they are in college. There was great weeping and gnashing of teeth. It was horrible. But Liam still gets his 12 days of Christmas. Uh, this year, though, it happens to be nine days of Christmas because uh, we had the box with the 12 days of Christmas and we left it on the floor. And there's usually like chocolates and gum and things and the dog found the, the 12 days of Christmas. So now Liam has nine days of Christmas. Because um, we can't wait, right? The dog doesn't know he's supposed to wait till the 25th to do these kind of things. We want to go fast. In that kind of a thought process, uh, the, the author, a guy by the name of Peter, he was one of Jesus' 12 closest friends, closest disciples and followers. Uh, he writes back to a church that is waiting for Christ's return. When, when Christ was crucified on the cross and was buried, resurrected. He, he ascended later, but he said, hey, I'm, I'm coming again. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'll come back. And a lot of people thought he meant right away, that he was gonna be right there back for them and they'd be ready to go. And now the church was facing persecution. Uh, they began to say, wow, if, if Jewish Christians are being persecuted, but Jews aren't, I'm just gonna go back to being a Jew. I'm not gonna be part of this follower of the way, and is that really even true anyway? Because, I mean, he said he was coming back, but it's been a long time. A lot of these guys are starting to die, and this doesn't seem right. Seems like if he was coming back, he should have done so already, and we should be, we should be good to go. In, in that mindset, Peter writes to the people and says this. 
You must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God's slow because he wants all of us to come to repentance. It's not his will, scripture tells us, that anyone should perish. He wants everyone to have a relationship with him. Uh, but sometimes we read these passages and we take them very literally uh, at times where you know it says, day is like a thousand years to God and a thousand years is like the day. I heard a joke about this guy that was praying and he says, Lord, is it true? Your word says a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. And God said, yeah. He said, really, that's just meaning, right, that time doesn't really matter to you. He said, so, so would it be true that like a minute is like a thousand years? God said, yeah, that'd be true. He said, great. Well, if that's true, it's the same thing true about money. Like money doesn't really matter to you. So like a penny would be like a million dollars to you. And a million dollars is like a penny. And God says, yes. And the guy said, then God, may I have a penny? And God said, sure, wait a minute. All right, some of you got that. You're quicker than the first service. So with that in mind, we're gonna walk through the story of a guy named Abraham. A guy that God made a promise to and it took a long time for God to fulfill that promise. Last, last week, Pastor John talked about broken promises. Today we're gonna to talk about a God who keeps his promises even though it may take longer than we want. He's not slow like we consider slowness maybe, um, but he's taking his time for things to work out the right way. We get a story in chapter 12 of Genesis about a guy named Abram. Uh, some of you who've been here over the last few months, you've heard us walk through real quickly a story about Abram. We're gonna go at it from a different angle today. Uh, Abram's in a land called Ur, uh, which for most of us, it sounds like something out of, um, probably sounds a little bit like something out of the Lord of the Rings. It's this weird place, so let me let, let you know. It's about 200 miles southeast of Baghdad in a place called Moher is where Abram, we think, most likely was from. So Abram's in this place where he then takes off his, God comes to him, he's about, at this time, we think, 70 years of age. And he says, I want you to leave your father, his family, take your father with you, but leave your father's family, and I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you, because I'm gonna make you a father of a great nation, and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. This is crazy, it makes no sense. Because in order to be a great nation, some of you have heard me say this before, you need land and you need children. Abraham and Sarah, his wife Sarai at the time, they could not have kids, it said her womb was closed. They tried having kids, they couldn't have kids. And God says, I'm gonna make of you a great nation. I can see Abram arguing with God and going, um, I have no land, I have no kids, how are you gonna do this? And God says, I'm gonna take you to a land that I will show you. So Abram gets up, he believes God, he takes his father, he takes his nephew Lot, he takes his wife, whatever sheep and stuff they had, they left and they began to travel, they get as far as a place called uh, Haran, they stay there, scripture shows about five years, his father got sick, his father Terah eventually dies, um, Abram goes and begins to move on and keeps praying. He keeps seeking God. 
fact, one of the crazy stories we have in scripture, some of you heard me share this a, a while back, Abram, uh, one of the story is his, as he's leaving his father, going to do some things, there's, there are these gods that are sitting up in the family household and Abram goes in and knocks over all the gods, kills all the gods, but he leaves one standing and he takes the sword that he used to cut up all the other gods and put it, puts it in the hand of this other god. And so when Terah comes in the next morning and goes, what happened? And Abram goes, I, I think it's fairly obvious. That god killed all the other gods. And Terah goes, that can't be true because I made those out of stone and out of wood. And Abram goes, if you made them out of stone and out of wood, then why do you worship them? Sometimes we get caught up praying to God about other gods, about other things that God doesn't really want us involved with. So Abram goes and says, God, you've promised, you've said you're gonna do this. How are you gonna work? So he leaves, his father passes away and Abram takes off and they head to the land of Canaan. They get there and they, they get to this place where there's now a city called Bethel. Uh, in Israel, and it says there was no city called that at the time, but Abram builds an altar. And at that altar, he sacrifices and thanks God for traveling mercies along the way that's taken them there uh, to that place in Israel. And so they, he begins to pray, he begins to thank God for what he's doing, uh, for keeping them safe along the way, and uh, then reminds God probably a little bit about this promise of what God was gonna do. But then a famine hits. A famine hits, you can read all of this in Genesis 12, up through Genesis 30. Uh, what begins to go on is Abram looks at what's happening and, and they have to leave because of this famine. They go down to e Egypt. They go to Egypt. Some good things happen in Egypt. Some bad things happen in Egypt. But Abraham continues to pray and see God and God tells him, hey, it's time to go back. So he goes back to Israel. He sets up another altar. He thanks God for what God has done. But he uh, has grown a lot. He's got a lot more people following with him. His nephew Lot has also gained more cattle, more sheep, more stuff. So now as they're traveling around, those sheep, those cattle, the people that are with them need more space. So Abram looks at Lot and says, okay, we're gonna have to spread out. So you take whichever land you want, I'll take what's left over. So Lot goes, okay, I'm gonna head over towards this valley, Sodom and Gomorrah. There's lots of great pasture land, I'm gonna take that. So Abraham says, great, you go, I'm gonna go this direction. So they go, they split up, they make their covenant together, and Abram keeps praying, okay, God, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You brought us this far. I prayed for you to bring us out of Egypt. I prayed for you to save us from famine. I prayed you to bring us back. I prayed that you'd help us out of the land we were in. So God's been answering prayers along the way, and Abraham just keeps praying, and God keeps answering. So let's go back to this first prayer though. God had promised Abram, he would give him a son, he would make them the father of a great nation, and Abram's going, but God, when is this gonna happen? Can you imagine him praying that all the way along with these other prayers? God, what about this prayer? What about this promise that you made? Sure, you've kept me from Egypt, sure, you've brought me here, in the meantime, what happens is these other kings come down, they steal Lot and his family, they steal a bunch of other kings' stuff and move them all away, and the kings come to Abram and say, can you help us? Abram hears what's happened to his nephew Lot, so he gathers together his fighting men, and scripture tells us at this point in time, 
Abram has over 300 fighting men that have been born into his household. So he gathers them together and says, Lord, be with us. We're going into battle. Give us victory. They take off into battle. They're able to destroy the other kings. They bring Lot and his family back. They bring back all the wealth that had been stolen, plus more. Abraham takes what he had taken from those other kings that had stolen Lot. He takes a tenth of it and gives it to this guy named Melchizedek. Where in the world does that come from? It's a really weird thing. You'll learn about that later in scripture. But he says, hey, let me, let me tithe on that. He gives that back to Melchizedek. But then the other kings come and say, hey, let us bless you. Let us give you money. Abram says, no, no, no. God's going to take care of me. God's made me promises. Just pay those guys that helped, but you guys go on and do what you need to do because God is going to help me. Right, God? You've said you're going to, right? You've made this promise. So they separate on out. Lot goes back to his place. Lot ends up eventually in Sodom, living. And it's, it says it's a really wicked place. It's a horrible place, this place of Sodom. And we get a really weird story of Abram going and uh, bargaining with God. Have you ever bargained with God? Have any of you all ever bargained with God? I know every high school boy in here has bargained with God, so don't lie to me. I know every, we have, haven't we? God, if you just get me out of this, I promise, I will never, some of you are, I can audibly hear you all chuckling, just quiet down. You've done it, right? We bargain. Here's what, here's what Abraham does, though. Abraham does something really weird. Um, he says, God, don't wipe out that city. I'm gonna ask these two front sections right here. Would you stand real quick? These two front middle sections. I'd include you too, Bill Bowen. Stand up. There we go. There we go. So here's what Abraham says. And all these people that are here. God, if there's just 50 people, if there's 50 righteous people, will you, let, will you let the kingdom stand? Will you let it be okay? Don't wipe it out. God says, okay, if there's 50. So then he goes, okay, what if there's 50 minus five? So those of you in the front row, there's five of you in the front row. Sit down. So what if there's 45? Is that Okay. God says, sure, that's fine. So then I'll ask you in the second row right here. You guys sit down. He goes, what if there's 40? God, if there's 40, will you let the city be okay? He goes, I don't know, maybe if there's 40. So he says, okay, what about 30? Next two rows, sit down. What about, what about there's only 30 people? Will you, let, will you let the city still survive? God says, I, yeah, sure. If there's, if, there's, if there's 40, if there's 30, yeah, I'll do it. Last two rows, y'all sit down. He goes, what are 20? What if there's only 20 righteous people there? If there's 20 righteous people, will you save the city, God? I'm, I'm sorry to bug you. I'm sorry to put you to this, but would you do it? God says, sure, if there's only 20 people, I'll let it survive. They're like, okay. So y'all can sit down now. Can, can we thank God for these righteous people that were still standing? Sorry for y'all, but you know, there's righteous people. The rest of y'all, we're praying for you that Sodom and Gomorrah Fire doesn't come down on you, right? There's this sense of Abram going, God, have you ever bargained with God? There's, there's times where we pray and God answers our prayers along the way, but then there's, what about this, this big one? There's other times where some of us go, I don't, I don't know that I've ever had God give me some big promise. I've not had God speak to me audibly, something that I knew was from him. I want to tell you today that what we find in this book, there are many promises that God has given to us that aren't just for the people that were in this book. There's many of these that are for us. Part of what we're gonna be walking through these next few weeks is God made a promise to Abraham about a child. And that child was 
Isaac. That child also later was kind of like John the Baptist. That child was actually Jesus. But the promise that was, was that through that child, all the nations of the world would be blessed, which is you and me, that we get to be called children of God. Abraham died only seeing one little piece of that promise fulfilled. He didn't get to see his, his family become a great nation. He didn't get to see what God had promised him come to fruition, but he kept praying along the way. Are you listening to me? I don't know who you are that's sitting here today. I know some of you from conversations I've had with you where things aren't going the way you wanted them to in life right now, where prayers that you have prayed seem to just keep stacking up and stacking up and stacking up, but God's doing nothing with them. And you may be looking at God going, how many more stinking dominoes do I have to pray before you'll knock this over? How much more do I have to seek you before you'll actually do what you've promised? God, I feel like I'm being faithful. God, I feel like I'm, I'm living before you the way I should. God, I feel like, I know I've messed up some, and I've, you know, maybe I've taken too many of these out, and they just can't hit. Help me, God, to know what to do. We try to go back and fix our life and do things right. When all of those things are okay, but what matters is the promise that God made. That God's gonna be faithful. God will fulfill what he has promised. If God has spoken it, live in it, and wait for him to bring his answer. That's hard. I'm gonna admit that's hard for me. There's times where I pray, and I pray, and I pray, and no answer comes. Like, okay, God, tomorrow, the next year. So let's go back here. Abraham prays. God comes to him and says to him, hey, I'm going to make of you a great nation. It's probably about 70 years old, we believe, from looking at the scriptures. About five years later, his dad dies, and he makes his way to Canaan. It's about another 20 years, actually about another 15 years, that he has a son named Ishmael, because he tries to take things into his own hands. Then God comes back and promises him again, no, 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 your wife Sarah is going to have a son, and it's about age 100, he has that son. And then God tells him, hey, I want you to sacrifice that son. Can you imagine the prayers that Abraham was praying as he went up the mountain, getting ready to sacrifice Isaac? God, please don't make me sacrifice my son. God, if I do sacrifice him, please bring him back to life. God, do what only you can do. There's this sense of God working, of God moving, of God doing what God wants to do, but of Abraham saying, I'm gonna have faith in you and I'm gonna trust you no matter what. Some of you are in a place of saying, that's a really great story that happened 4,000 years ago, 6,000 miles away. But Pastor Dale, I need God to show up right now in the midst of my junk, in the midst of the stuff that's going on right now. Can you tell me where he is right now? I don't know how many times Abraham had to pray that, but he kept praying. And at times God would answer, but at times this one prayer was taking a really long time to be fulfilled. I don't know where you are in your walk with God. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. But I will tell you that there's a God who is standing by you just the way he did Abraham, whether Abraham felt it or not.
And what God has called you to do is continue to be faithful and keep seeking him and keep praying and keep laying down the dominoes because one day God will come along and knock them all down. When will that be? I have no idea. I am not God. But I know that he wants to do that in your life. Some of you are sitting, I know what you're doing. You're sitting here going, so you're telling me just keep waiting. Not just keep waiting, wait on the Lord. Waiting on him means your life doesn't stop. Abraham didn't sit and say, okay, God, I'm not gonna go to the land that you're gonna show me until I have my kid. Abraham walked in it until he had the kid. Abraham didn't say, okay, God, help us to take control of this whole nation, then I'll believe you, because that never happened in Abraham's lifetime. But Abraham kept praying, kept seeking, kept believing that God would do what God could do what God had promised he would do. I ask you to bow your heads with me real quick. Father, I pray that you'd be with my brother or sister that is here this morning. That even as we've been walking through the story of Abraham, I know in my head there's times where I'm going, how many times do I have to go back through this story? How many times do I have to relive what went on with Abraham? God, I know that some of my friends here are sitting right here saying, great, God talked to Abraham. I've not heard God talk to me. God, I pray that right now as their eyes are closed, as their heads are bowed, that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit. We asked that earlier. And Lord, I know that to some of us, you, some of us hear an audible voice that you speak to us. Some of us, Lord, as we're praying, even right now, you've put an image in our minds of what you want to do. Of what you've called us to be. And Lord, it's something that we can't do on our own that we would not have thought of on our own. God, some of us are feeling a sense of something that you're wanting to do in us. We're not seeing it in our head, but we're feeling it in our gut. God, some of us are gonna walk out of here and someone's gonna walk up and say something to us and it's exactly what we just prayed about. Lord, some of us are gonna go home today and read your word. And as we do so, you will speak to us through your word. God, I pray that you would just speak to us. Help my brothers and sisters here to know that when you spoke to Abraham and you gave him that promise, you said that promise was to those that are near and those that are far away. And Lord, that far away is not only space, it's also time that we're here today in answer to that promise you made Abraham. So God, even right now, I pray that you would just whisper into the hearts and minds and ears of those who are sitting here that you would say to them that they are the children of that promise you made to Abraham. Abraham. 
Father, help us to live in that. Despite how the world looks right now, whether it's famine or inflation or the loss of a job or a bad cancer diagnosis or health diagnosis. Lord, whether it's a relationship that looks like it has been dashed against the rocks and it is done. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to remember the covenant and the promises that you have made with us when we stood before you that you would be faithful, that you will work in and through us to complete the work in us that you have started. So, Lord, if there's someone here today who they've not entered in that relationship with you, but they want to, that pray that right now they would just say, God, I give you my life. <laughs> Come live in me. Help me to understand the promises that you've given me. Help me to live in those to be faithful. Forgive me of, of my sins, of the things that have kept me from you. But Lord, live in me and help me to be like you. God, I pray that for the person who may be praying that for the first time this morning or the person who may be praying that for the 50th time this morning because they've gotten frustrated with the ways that you are slow in keeping your promises. But God, help us to know that you do all that for our good. All these things we ask and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, something exciting here is going on. Bailey told you earlier, if you're a first-time guest here, you could get a t-shirt before you left. I also want to say, if you prayed with that prayer with me for the first time this morning, um, on your way out today, if you would stop back by the, the guest central, um, we've got a Bible there we would love to give you. Um, it, it contains the promises of God, uh, things that will help you on your walk with God um, as you walk through and with him. And so the next few weeks, we've got, do y'all realize there's only, today's the uh, fourth, right? So how many days does that mean you have left till Christmas? Sorry, didn't mean to scare you. Three weeks. It's coming. Get ready. Get your shopping done. But remember this. God isn't slow in keeping his promises as some consider slowness. He's being patient. During this Advent time, we wait. We remember those who waited like Abraham for the Messiah to come. But we also gather and we wait because on Christmas Eve, we're going to gather here with people from all over the city. and We're going to celebrate the coming of Christ. Uh, we'll light candles. We'll recall that light has come into the world. And that you and I are children of the promise, as are everybody in this country. Everybody in this city. Everybody in the world that God died for them. We want to share that good news that people can know it. But we also sit here and we wait, realizing that Christ promised he would come back. And just like those people in Peter... Um, he hasn't come back yet. So we wait. I know some of you have sat up here the whole time, and I know after first service, people are like, we just knew you were gonna knock one of those over on accidentally, and the whole thing was gonna come down. Y'all are ready for me to knock it over, aren't you? Some of you, from the moment I began, you're like, what's it gonna be? How's it gonna turn out? What's gonna happen? You're gonna have to keep waiting. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. 
Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.